Hi, and welcome to Society Owes Me a Genix podcast, where uh, myself, that is Lily, and Hannah, hello, uh, we'll chat about the 90s in a music commentary style, and we're going to hit up things like grunge and indie and alt-rock and pop and movies and soundtracks and TV shows and uh, general generation Catalano goodness. But uh, today, I'm not sure how we characterise what you're doing today, Hannah, do you want to... Just plough in there and just let us know. Definitely. Oh. (laughs) I would definitely like to do that for you. We are oh so excited or are we? (laughs) I am. I mean, I am spoiling for a fight, I think. Uh, Yes, O is for Oasis. Um, Yeah, back back to Britain for a bit. I was looking at what we've done. And uh, with the exception of, I think, Aisha Coco lately, like we've been very, very very American dominated which is which is fine you know we love our, our cousins over the pond but I think it's a it's time for a bit bit of Britpop dare I say is it I don't do they describe themselves as Britpop no one describes themselves as Britpop I think they think they're rock they are rock I feel like are they though oh, we don't we don't, we don't need gonna, to label them do we I'm just gonna say shit Lily's got a box of matches I brought my matches this is not the porno for Pyro's episode I'm ready <laughs> Um, obviously we have done a few unintentional roasts lately. I thought maybe we could just do a, a light toasting, <laughs> but it's going to go where it's going to go. I'm not and toasting anything this time. I can't predict what might happen tonight, but... I did predict that you would try and have a, have a roast, not a toast. I'm, I'm going to try not to because look, there were very, or they were very popular bands mm-hmm. in the 90s. Obviously... You don't need to have ever listened to this podcast probably to know just by the tone of my voice. I'm not a massive fan. Um, I was surprised to find out that you were actually, wasn't I? I'm, I'm not a massive fan, um, but I do have a lot of time for Oasis. And I totally understand why you're not a fan. I totally understand why lots of people are not. Um, but yeah, they, they I, I, I really like them at the time. I've never seen them live. Um, and I have been wondering you know, why, why this is, and I, you know, I don't know, maybe in my subconscious, or not even in my subconscious, it was that, you know, I know that they're, you know, they're arrogant, they're probably not the most pleasant people in the world, and, you know, we know all of this stuff, and maybe there was a large part of me that just didn't want to indulge <laughs> that further, um, but I do regret it a little bit. Do you? Yeah. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I mean, especially, I don't know, maybe it's, you know, I, I saw the Charlatans last night, absolutely immense gig like it's like 20 I think I last saw them in like 2002 2003 or something and I don't know I just loved all of that like Manchester stuff and you know I I, I went and saw the Charlatans, Stone Roses and but yeah Oasis just I never had a massive desire to do it. I bought the records you know I love listening to them I remember when Supersonic came out talking I remember I've got this really vivid memory of being um, in our CDT block at school, um, and I don't know why we were there because that wasn't my form room, but it was like you know the, uh, the what do you call it the roll call in the morning. So maybe there was like, like my school we had these my your form tutor room. group <clears throat> sort of thing. Yeah, so it was in the morning, like you know registration. That's it, registration. Um, and my normal classroom was in. We had like two. There were supposed to be temporary buildings that were called terrapins, and they're like out. Um, separate from the main school building. Terrapins. Terrapins. Because they were temporary, they were basically like 
huts, these two huts that were supposed to be, you know, there for six months and they were there for about 20 years. And in we the end, had I think, them as well. What yeah. is going on with British schools back in the 90s? Well, I think they had to be pulled down because like, there was asbestos in the roof or oh, something. Nice. But yeah, they were definitely supposed to be temporary structures and they were there forever. But yeah, I don't know, for some reason we had to change form room for a bit. Anyway... Um, but I remember talking to... Don't worry, I'll just cut this out. <laughs> <laughs> talking to my friend Mole, whose name was actually Daniel, but he looked... Terrapins, um, Moles, what's next? <laughs> he, he, looked, he looked like... It was affectionately nicknamed Mole because like, he did just look like a mole. You know how some people look like pigeons or mole? Did you read that <laughs> Dick Smith um, I'm glad about people that look like animals? I'm glad to know it wasn't because he had some growths on his face or something that he would have just been so. me but oh, had, you could barely okay. see his eyes to be honest because he had you know the classic 90s curtains and everything because anyway. he was blind <laughs> and you're really sick <laughs> he was a nice guy but um yeah like very geeky but like we, we long nails over, over <laughs> lived underground no oh bless him no no but like he had very very cool music taste you know as did i and I remember, I think we'd been listening to the evening session. I loved Steve Lamarck and Joe Wiley and stuff and would listen to the evening session religiously. Um, so I think it was that, that we must have heard Supersonic on for the first time because check, like doing the research for this, they, they, it, they weren't on top of the pops until Live Forever, I think. Um, but yeah, I remember coming back to school that morning and we were both like, did you hear it? Did you hear it? And just, yeah, it was just before they got big and absolutely fell in love with that song anyway shall i start with some music uh if you <laughs> feel like you have to oh my bloody phone's locked me out again right okay this is gonna be fun so um i did ponder because it's over oasis i thought well do i pick my favorite like, they obviously had three albums in the 90s so definitely maybe 94 quickly followed by what's story morning glory in 95 uh, love both of those albums <clears throat> and then Be Here Now in 97 bit shit so rule that one out do I do my favourite singles um, you know from both of those albums or what anyway I've decided to stick with Definitely Maybe I'm going to go through it in the order that it's in on the album which is not like the chronological order for you know how they how they were released and stuff um, but I'm going to mainly talk about that and my two favourite Oasis songs which aren't on either of those albums, all right? Are they on Let It Be by The Beatles, who they blatantly ripped off? <laughs> Come on, hit the applause button, I know you want to. <laughs> no, no, I'll, I'll save it. Right, okay, so definitely maybe. So this is Rock and Roll Star, the opening track. Um, Noel said about this song that it sums up everything, um, well, that he summed up everything that he wanted to say in this song and Live Forever and Cigarettes and Alcohol. And after that, with all the other songs, he said he was basically repeating himself but in a different way. I'd agree with that. <laughs> so You'll find I don't hate Noel. He okay. has some very interesting pearls of wisdom. He did. He I did. enjoy some of the things he says. He's a clever guy, a wise guy. A wise guy, that is perfect. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Right, okay, so whilst Rock and Roll Star plays, um, this wasn't a single, um, but I think, I think it's a great opener, personally, it really sort of, you know, sets the scene, you know, they wanted to be Rock and Roll Stars, that is, uh, and they became indie pop stars, I wonder how they feel about that. I think they're, I th this album, in particular, <laughs> I think is a rocker, um, but just, yeah. I just think it's really interesting, I've just never ever thought of them 
as being rock musicians. Is this indie? But does this sound indie pop to you? Come on, this is rock and roll. I just never felt. I mean, I suppose they're just always constantly in the charts. You know, it yeah. was like Brian Adams, everything I do. You know, and and they're very. I find it difficult to like separate singles out because they just kind of roll into. But what is one. this guitar sound to you? It screams rock and roll to me. Come on. It just doesn't you, to me. You know you agree with me. You just don't want to admit it. Anyway, I will let you ponder that. I, I hear that. what you're saying, but I just never, <laughs> ever thought of them in that way. The only reason I know that is because I thought to contribute in some way that I would look into some of the more interesting things that Noel and Liam have said over the years. And it became very apparent to me that they do see themselves as these big rock stars. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just, I was like, huh, <laughs> okay. I never knew that about them. Well, you know, you can always change your mind, you know, 30 years on. Do you don't think I will? Well, well, keep an open mind, okay? That's all I ask of you this evening. <laughs> and I shall <laughs> shake my matches in your direction. <laughs> your tambourine, your rackers. Um, right, anyway, so, I don't know. Did you know that originally they were called The Rain? So they formed in 1991, The Rain did. And it was Liam Gallagher on vocals, Paul Bonehead Arthurs on rhythm guitar, Paul Gwigzy McGuigan on bass, and Tony McCall on drums. They were the rain. And they were a bit later joined by Liam's big brother, Noel, uh, who insisted on complete control and that the band should work towards global fame if he joined. Okay? So he set out his stall from the, from the start. They were going to be rock and roll stars. Yep. To be fair, as a Svengali, he, he met... He met his. Uh, he met the expectations laid out by Noel himself. <laughs> he fulfilled his own, yeah, person spec. And um, you know the guy called Bonehead. Yeah. Oh, what, is Paul. it? Is it Bonehead? Yeah. Where's that name coming from now? I don't know. He's bald. I don't know. Is he just <laughs> really dumb? <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't know. I've got a few quotes from him. He doesn't. He, you know, comes across. I just thought you know. Is it Griggsy McGuigan? Is yeah. that what you said? Yes. Yeah. You look at when people have got like much more interesting names, like we call him, you know, Paxo because he's birds from Turkey. Do you know what I mean? Like something really <laughs> obscure. That's the usual kind of... Do you know what I mean? Uh, no. English people tend to give each other... Or like random ones. Funny. Just, so yeah. I think Gwigsy's a bit... They have something... It's a bit on the nose, that's what I'm saying. Not very imaginative. Fair enough. I don't know. I'll have to, yeah, look up Boneheads. I don't know. If anyone listening knows why Boneheads called Boneheads, I mean, I'm sure it's not difficult to find it out, but, you know, Wikipedia didn't tell me. Uh, let us know. Leave us a message on Anchor. Um, right, I'm going to pause it there. Um, so, yeah, definitely maybe came out on Creation Records on the 29th of August, 1994. It was an immediate commercial and critical success here in the UK. Straight to number one on the album charts. How did they do that? How the hell did they crack people really like an them. entire industry yeah but how did they even get heard well because they had singles out before that so they had three singles out before the album was released so we'll come to that oh, but, yeah. oh okay so three singles came out yeah and they all did pretty well i'll give you the stats in a bit um but yeah it was the fastest selling debut in the uk at the time it sold get, okay guess how many copies it sold <laughs> round it up to the nearest ten thousand. Do you know what? I have and absolutely no idea what people sell or the what they did days. sell. First four days. No clue. Absolutely no clue. I don't know if it's in the hundreds of thousands or tens or what. Okay, it was 
ten hundred thousand copies in the first four days. Okay, so it outsold the second highest album. Ten hundred thousand. I'm really confused. Ten hundred thousand. A hundred. Sorry, a hundred thousand. <laughs> I, I don't understand numbers. One and five zero. That's a hundred thousand copies. What One fifteenth. I, <laughs> I don't even know what number I said now. A hundred. I did say it doesn't mean anything to me. So Hannah. No, that's not a hundred thousand. No, no, how many zeros has a thousand got? A thousand's got one three zeros, hasn't it? Yeah, a hundred thousand copies. Is that Listen, all I said? There was asbestos in those buildings, Hannah, and you cannot be expected to come away with a full education when you have been infected. A from lot. youth it sold really well think where mole is right now <laughs> 10 feet under I'm thinking she doesn't say that because he stopped terrarian come on <laughs> god okay all right uh, another quiz question for you um it outsold the second highest album what do you think that was Cast your mind back in 1994. Oh no, I don't know. I'm just thinking Mole's playing guitars now. It's really hard for me to concentrate. <laughs> the three tenors in concert. Oh lord. Okay, final, final. That must have question. broken their mother's heart. It's another maths question. All right. Oh, no. How much? Hang on. By a factor of what percentage do you think it outsold the three tenors album? By an eleventeenth. <laughs> 50%. 50%. It was enormous. Why are they even in the same chart? You know? Because it's the UK album chart. We so don't have that many charts in the UK. Oranges, apples. No, you know. So we're not like, we don't have all the billboards and the what's it. Yeah. I just think it's, it's a bizarre. bizarre. I think, do you know, what year was that, did you say? 94. Oh, I was going to say my nan would have been one of those, one of those numbers, but unfortunately she but died in 1993. <laughs> My mum no, the three tenors. tenors. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, she, she loved a bit of placido. So, yeah. Placido. So, uh, placebo. She loved Oasis and placebo. <laughs> rocking. No. Rocking. Uh, yeah, when she wasn't listening to three tenors, she was listening to Neil Diamond <laughs> <laughs> and Patsy Cline. All right. Final number I'm going to throw it to you. Uh, to you. It sold over 8 million copies. And it was voted the greatest album of all time in 2006. And I mean, it is pop. I'm not sure I'd go that far, but I do think it's a great album. Do you know what that reminded me of? Being in those temporary blocks at school. There was a guy in my remedial maths class, because basically, it's called a spade a spade, that's what it was, <laughs> called Adrian, and he once told us Adrian Mole! That... <laughs> <laughs> oh God, did I ever that's just walk into that? Gen X reference. Um, his mum's car got broken into, and they stole all of her tapes. Apart from her Tammy Wynette collection. You are shitting me. No. I, have, have I not told you the story about when my mum's car was broken into? And they took everything. Oh my god. Well, she didn't really have much in the boot, but she had. Um, but do you the three remember, tenors? Like, almost. No. The three tenors are good. No. <laughs> she had one of those like plastic. I remember it so well. No, I don't mind a bit. Tell me. <laughs> Wait for it. Wait for it. She had one of those like plastic cassette carriers and she had a hairdryer in the boot. So they stole the hairdryer. Um, okay. And they clearly rifled through all of her tapes, but it was it was like ninety percent um, Julio Iglesias. I was about to say, did they leave the Julio? <laughs> they left the Julio. I think they just stole like an Andrew Lloyd Webber soundtrack or something. That's even worse. <laughs> I, oh, I loved a bit of Les Mis and Phantom, and yeah, she had like one with like a mix of you know Mr. Mistopheles and yeah, like that one. That Isn't one that, went like cats. She was really cats. offended. Yeah, cats and Star Express. Anyway, we um. 
I know someone that went to see the Cats musical. I went with my grandma. She fell asleep and she would just wake (laughs) up. Like there were some bits where there were like suddenly like really loud booms and she'd just wake up for a bit and then go back to sleep. The meows woke her up. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great musical. Actually, speaking of which, can I just drop in real, really quick? uh, A Noel-ism on Justin Bieber. Quote, my cat sounds more rock and roll than that. Wise guy. Cat, speaking of cats. Yeah, no, I get it. Rock and roll in inverted commas. <laughs> anyway. Uh, you feel like you've got another fun? tune. Have we got another tune coming We in? have got what another tune. Got? <clears throat> so, Shaker Maker. I feel like you've probably got stuff to say about this that's fairly derogatory. <clears throat> um, but... Dare you suggest I'm so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. This was the second single. So, as I said, we're not going through it in, you know the way that history happened. I haven't told you about the first single yet, but this was the second single because it's the second track on the song, on the album. So it came out in June 1994, debuted at number 11, and this was their, oh, I was wrong before, this was the one that they debuted on top of the pops. Uh, not Live Forever. Um, so yeah, of the singles that they released, this was the only one from this album, actually, and the second album, that didn't reach at least platinum status in the UK. And I kind of get why, like it's not my favorite track on the album by a long shot. I think it's quite a weak one, and I'm surprised that they uh, they made it single. Um, by the time it gets here, it just sounds exactly like the last one to me. Uh, I no, struggle. It sound anything like Rock'n'Roll Star. I struggle to differentiate, this sounds like the middle of the last one to me. I just, I'm, I can't get too excited about this, so I'm surprised they put it out as a single. But, you know, even though it didn't get gold, it was still certified silver. So, you know, number 11. Yeah, to me, know, it's, all right. it's like Lemmings just went off a cliff. That's an Oasis fan for me. <laughs> yeah, so I don't think it's a very interesting song, but it does have a very interesting history. I feel like a bunch of parents bust into their kids' rooms and were like, you do realise this person's ripping off the Beatles, and they were like... Oh, I think the Beatles ripped off them Right, badge. okay, so now here, okay, I've got a lot of things to say about Oasis and the Beatles. Um, it, and they're they all did, true. This, they did rip off a song with this, a but it song. wasn't... A I, I will uh, wait for it, but it was not the Beatles, okay? Don't tell me. John Lennon built a time machine, <clears> ran up into the future at the beginning of the 90s in Bloody Moss Side, stole Nolan Lee's <clears> act, took it back, did it before them. <laughs> yeah. No, but nice imagination. No, so... <laughs> That's what, what you'd it... have to be suggesting to convince me of some kind of massive coincidence. <laughs> what it borrowed from was this. Now, there is a very interesting it. story. Oh, I hear it. I know. Would you like to hear my very Please. interesting story? No. <laughs> Screw you, I'm going to tell you anyway. End of the pod. <laughs> Cut. <laughs> Right, so they took the melody from Shaker Maker from this, okay? Well, actually, yeah, no. So, this is I'd Like to Teach the World to Sing in Perfect Harmony, in brackets. And it was originally written by Roger Cook and Roger Greenaway, um, who were like, you know, hit songwriters in the 70s. But, so yeah, they'd written this as like a jingle, I think. Um, and then there was this guy called Bill Backer, who was an advertising executive for McCann Erickson, who was the advertising agency that represented Coca-Cola. So this guy, Bill Backer, um, and Roger Cook, um, and Billy Davis were delayed one day 
by forced layover at Shannon Airport in Ireland, okay? So they're obviously on some kind of business uh, jaunt. Um, and everyone was, you know, pissed off at being delayed and, you know, having to hang around the airport. But once they calmed down, I think they, you know, they had to stay overnight, they noticed the following morning that people had calmed down and they were, like, joking and chatting and loads of them were drinking Coca-Cola. Um, so Macca wrote the line, I'd like to buy the world of Coke on a napkin, and then he shared that with the, the two Rogers, the songwriting duo. Um, and so they kind of ran with it and they used the melody of the jingle that they'd already written that was originally called True Love and Apple Pie that they recorded in 1971 um, with a, a, a singer called Susan Shirley. And then all four of them, Cook, Greenaway, Backer and Davis, reworked it into a new radio jingle for Coca-Cola, which was performed by these guys, the New Seekers, who are a British pop band. So the advert um, did amazingly well. Um, it was also like the most expensive advert that um, uh, had ever been produced up, you know, up to then. It cost uh, 250... <laughs> it's another big number. 250,000 dollars. <laughs> which apparently in today's money is 1.6 million dollars. That's a, that's a lot of money in anyone's maths. Probably not as much as Mariah's making every Christmas. <laughs> For an advert, though. Um, so, yeah. So, the advert first aired in 1971. I know that I'm going, going, no, off, okay. going off the is, 90s. Is this the year that Noel was born, by any chance? <laughs> God, it might have been. But anyway, I don't know. I, I, I've seen clips of this advert, but it featured, like... Um, you know, like a bunch of kids, like multicultural kids, and they're all lip syncing um, uh, to this, you know, to that song on a hill, uh, apparently somewhere outside of Rome, and they're all holding bottles of Coke, and they're all labelled in, like, different languages. So, you know, it's it's all about unity, and da, da, da. The South African government, racist fuckers, asked for a version without the black actors in it, to which Coca-Cola, to their oh credit, God. said, uh, no, fuck off, and then pulled a load of investment from South Africa and said, we've been reducing our investment in South Africa since 1976. You we now don't deserve to sell all of our remaining holdings in that country. So, oh, good on them. But yeah, anyway, so the advert did really well, and then radio stations started, get, started getting calls, um, you know, for, like, you know, where can they buy it and stuff. So this Billy Davis guy, the advertising exec, um, had friends in, you know, in high places in radio um, who were telling him that he should, you know, get it revised and so they ended up adding three verses and making it, you know, taking out the Coca-Cola references and stuff um, and making it a full-length song but the New Seekers couldn't record it in time so they got this new, like, a group of studio singers who called themselves the Hilltop Singers like, you know, because the uh, advert was filmed on a, on a hilltop um, and they recorded it and that version like just you know went stellar did really well and then the new seekers came back and recorded it as well so there were two new versions of this song and they both were like you know crazy crazy hits you know number 13 on the billboard hot 100 um sold 96,000 copies in one day um you know you, yeah number one in the U in the in the UK and yeah and Another great thing the Coca-Cola company did, um, <laughs> not not sponsored by Coke, I promise, um, but they waived the royalties and they donated $80,000 to UNICEF. So, nice story. But, I am now going to And this gave the version. Gallagher brothers the right to steal it. Well, <laughs> and give nothing to charity. That's, well, that's a little <laughs> bit of a background of the, of the melody. Now this is not Oasis. This is no Oasis, an Oasis... Um, 
tribute band, I guess. And this is their cover of I'd Like to Teach the World to Sing in the style of Shaker Maker. So you can, you know, obviously it's, you know, you can yeah. really see the similarities. Yeah, the same. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I do vaguely remember this uh, this version coming out. It came, it came out in 1996 and was number 27 in the UK singles chart. But as a result of this, Oasis was sued over the similarity <laughs> <laughs> and forced to change their version. So fabulous. There you go. And also, did you hear, um, like this week, I can't remember where it was, but like the highest pub in the UK, like they got snowed in and it was like some Oasis tribute band were playing and oh, they God. all got snowed in for like three days. I think they've, they've just come out today or yesterday or something. Did you not hear about this? It was in the news. I did see that it was somebody on social media suggesting that some people have all the luck. I had no idea it involved an Oasis tribute band. Oh, mm, that's sorry. like my personal hell. I had a really good fun. Maybe, maybe not like three days in. <laughs> really? Uh, the only thing worse could be actually snowed in with the actual band Oasis. <laughs> God, imagine if then someone got COVID and it turned into like 10 days of isolation. I'll take COVID over an Oasis gig any day. Right, yeah. So, thanks, no Oasis. Um, oh, okay. So My kind is... of Oasis is no Oasis. <laughs> So this is not from Definitely Maybe, uh, but it was a B-side of uh, Shake Maker. <clears throat> but I've included it because um, it's just a really pretty song. This is called Do You Want to Be a Spaceman? Um, this is just Noel. By, yeah, this is Noel. So he's sung on quite a lot of the B-sides and the two little treats that I'm going to play you at the end. I must say I don't know mind Noel, although I couldn't find that absolute hack piece about him that I sent you a couple of months ago which was the glorious one. Yeah. so funny and hilariously sort of apt but I definitely you know if I if I had to if I literally had to life and death situation choose between Noel Kill. no just you know if I had to choose one of them for nothing like those reasons you just suggested <laughs> to sing to be alive I'd say obviously yeah no okay and he's really yeah, funny. Uh, I, I mean, he's a bit of a dick sometimes, so but both hilarious. But yeah, so um, one of my favourite podcasts, um, the Throwback Pod. I went back and re-listened to their uh, Oasis, definitely maybe one. And what I hadn't appreciated the first time round is that they'd um, uh, intended to be an Oasis podcast. Like they're massive fans, um, and I thought their conversation was quite interesting because um, I think I usually sort of take. Bob's uh, Yes, as do I. And hang on, did I in this case? Yes, I think it was Bob saying that like now, like these days, um, you you can't not like Oasis. And if you say that you're Oasis, you, you, you do like you do dislike Oasis still, like you're lying. Um, and Dan's stance was, and he's like a, a massive fan. Yeah. And I mention this now because I, I think it was him that, that had cited this song as his favourite. Um, he was kind of arguing it the other way that you still can. So I was interested in your take on that. Like it, with the benefit of you know 20, 25 years of you know, do, can you appreciate them differently now? There's definitely bands I hate more, <laughs> and we know that is you know probably not saying that much. <laughs> um, 
But there is definitely something um, talked about regularly in, in music commentary podcasts, that's for sure, which is you talk about what you liked then and then you can't help but reflect on how you feel about it now. And an interesting question is 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 often brought up about like, yeah, but do you really think that because you think it makes you look cool to think it mm-hmm. and say it? Um, but I don't genuinely don't fall into that character, you know, um, category. <laughs> category, thank you. I'm like, character? No, that's not right. It's those cedar blocks with the asbestos. <laughs> All this time I thought it was bad at maths and now I know I was just poisoned. It makes so much sense. Um, but Nothing no, to do with the gin. There was stuff I, I knew was sad. Like I just listened to the We Dig Music latest 1993 episode uh, where they were saying, you know, obviously it's not cool to like Counting Crows. And, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't know that. <laughs> that and, is um, brand new information to me. Spin Doctors. Funnily enough, my dad had both those albums and brought them home and was like, this is great, kids, you need to be listening to this. So I love Cathy Crows, but not Spin Doctors. Well, I liked the singles that they released. In fact, the only reason I don't... I kind of went off them is because somebody said, oh, have you seen them live, though? Or they they saw some sort of video and it was on MTV and it was horrendous. Apparently they were like, oh, the guy can't sing for shit live. You know, it's all totally produced and it's all kind of fake. And it was like a, oh... And I kind of went off them, but we heard that album loads, thanks to my dad being in his car playing it loads. And I genuinely didn't realise that Counting Crows were, you know, such an uncool band. Yeah, that's new. no, I don't think they are. New Still in denial. <laughs> I know, just, wow. But then I never really, you know, knew that many music snobs. I mean, <laughs> tragic to say, I probably knew more genuine Oasis fans than I knew people who would talk about more obscure stuff, you know? So mm-hmm. mine, mine is genuinely coming from a place of sort of purity in terms of I didn't even really know anyone to be cool to. So hang on, what is or your Or try answer? to be cool to. I didn't like them then. And you stood it sounded like derivative. The, the front guy seemed to be an asshole. You know, I... Yeah, I just didn't, didn't, didn't feel it. It was so overplayed. And, you know, you have to understand as well, where I grew up in the local pub which is where everyone went on Friday night and Saturday night. And it was like a pub crawl every weekend night. Yeah. There were a lot of Oasis fans in our town and there was a jukebox in every pub. And this, it was just on a loop. There were you know? Oasis so, fans in every town. They were the yeah, biggest can, band in the country. I can yeah. listen to it and I can remember, oh, that was a good Christmas. Or, oh, you know, that was a good weekend. Because it was just like on yeah. all the time. Yeah. But I didn't like it. I've never owned anything of Oasis. Okay, but I've now. I've never considered ever seeing them. And I still feel the same way. Okay. They're not the worst band in the world. I just don't really like them. And everything sounds really same Yeah, no, it's good. I was just wondering if it might be like, you know, like I've said a few times, I think, now that, you know, like the Prodigy, I really disliked at the time. And, and, and Blur as well. I was definitely, you know, the whole Blur Oasis thing. Um, yeah, but Country House that's fucking shit you know well they kept coming up with these comedy like what the fuck is going on oh you know? god yeah you don't I'm definitely not going to argue this with you I was firmly in the Oasis camp but I wasn't I wasn't in no one's camp but I really didn't understand what the hell Blur were doing what pissed me off about that whole thing is that it was it was presented as like a north south thing and like a middle class working class thing and you know I was not from the north but um yeah 
Interesting though that Oasis would slag off Blur so much for being like art school posh boys. But bloody John Lennon went to art school. What a posh boy though. Well, you don't know. You didn't grow up in his house. <laughs> I went to see his house in Liverpool. Not when he lived there. <laughs> it was somewhat before your time. Right. Okay. So, Live Forever. I think this is a cracking, cracking song. I think this is my favourite one of the album. So, another single. So it was the third single. came out on the 8th of August, 1994. And it was their first top ten single. So, they, they cracked it with this one. How many albums of theirs did you own, personally? Uh, two. This and What Story Morning Glory. Did Being you know when they came out? Got, or... Yeah, oh God, yeah. Oops. Oh, yeah, yeah. Really eagerly anticipate. Well, cause, because I fell in love with Supersonic, you know, from the first single. Um, yeah. I was counting down for uh, Definitely Maybe to come out. And, yeah, remember wow. buying this one from Capitol Records and uh, yeah, prizing it out of the CD case into my little JVC MIDI MIDI system. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, doing my homework on my little uh, collage uh, decorated <laughs> desk. Um, yep, yeah, lyrics like this. <clears throat> I don't really want to know how your garden grows. Oh I god, that reminds fly. me. Yeah. I, I I just I'm, I missed out something that I did want to tell you about the lyrics on um, on Shaker Maker actually. So I'll just go back because I thought this was really lovely. So <laughs> ignore the fact that we're playing Live Forever, but Shaker Maker. <laughs> Noel said the lyrics were taken from the world around him. So like it talks about a Shaker Maker, which was before our time, uh, but apparently that was a popular toy in the 1970s. Um, he talks about Mr. Soft, um, who I do remember from the Treeball Soft Mints TV ads. Do you remember that? Yep. Yep. Um, that was a, like an actual song though that they adapted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the advert had the Cockney Rebels song, Mr. Soft. But yeah, so there's lots of references to Mr. Soft, Mr. Clean. So Mr. Mr. Clean reference because it was sung by the Jam. Um, who were one of Noel's favourite bands. Are you sure he wasn't um, just sitting at home, looked over and saw a bottle of cleaning fluid? It was, then, yeah, no, that's, that's exactly what he said. Lyrics were taken from the world around him. It was just what well, he was observing. People think he's it's a genius. Exactly that. Mm. And another mystery was Mr. Ben. So Mr. Ben from the kids' TV show, you know, Super 70s. But then, and now this ben. is what... I think his name was Ben. Ben? <laughs> the bear, right? Wasn't no. it a bear? No, it was a little... Oh god, am I getting confused with the? Oh no, Mr. I am. I no, Mister Ben, didn't he have a bowler hat? Sorry. Oh, gentle <laughs> Ben. Yeah, no, totally different. I was thinking. Show. I'm surprised to hear that. <laughs> it wasn't Flipper either. That was the one with the dolphin. Oh, Flipper. <laughs> Back to animals. I love this. This is all turning into an animal podcast. Anyway, just the final mister that I wanted to mention from Shaker Maker. So the last, the whole of the last verse. Um, so that verse talks about Mister Sifter sold me songs when I was just 16, now he stops at traffic lights, but only when they're green. So Noel, so he claims a lot of things about like, you know, when lyrics were written and how they were written. Um, but this one, he claimed that it was written in a taxi on the way to the studio to record the song because Noel, uh, because Liam was pestering him to finish it. So the taxi stopped at the traffic lights outside Sifters. So Sifters was a record shop in Disbury, in Manchester. Um, uh, that was named after people sifting through the records and it's where, you know, the Gallagher brothers bought all of their records for their own oasis. Um, and Mr. Sifter was Peter Howard, the owner of um, Sifters. And um, yeah, that's it, it then featured in the video as well. 
And um, I was reading an article about, you know, the history of Mr. Sifter and Oasis and, you know, how they kind of really helped to keep the record shop open because then, you know, tourists will come over from all over the world, um, you know, particularly Asia, um, to check out check out Sifters, you know, where it all started. Good grief. So, Just because he saw a shop out of his window. I think that's lovely. No, but it was the, it was the record shop that he frequented. Yeah, but that's I mean, where they bought their record. Some working glass geezer in a taxi. Why weren't you on the bus, Noel? For fuck's sake. <laughs> they hadn't um, made it then. <laughs> but anyway, so going back to Live Forever. Um, <clears throat> uh, so yeah, he wrote this in 1991. So bear in mind, it came out in 94. Noel wrote it in 91 before he was even in Oasis. Um, and apparently, at the time, he was working for a building company in Manchester. Um, but he got his foot crushed by a pipe in an accident. Um, whilst doing that job so he was given um, a job uh, in the back room in the storeroom um, uh, whilst he was recuperating which gave him more time to write songs and you know that's how Live Forever or the lyrics at least came about eat tree ball mints and <laughs> <laughs> do a spot of tidying up watch Mr Ben Carter well no actually no so he was listening to the Rolling Stones so here we go we haven't even got to the Beatles stuff yet. after they've already said we're even better than the Rolling Stones like well, well, if you rip so, off people's acts. <laughs> so this is what he ripped off. Okay. So this is, uh, oh, this is what he was inspired by. Let me rephrase. So this is Shine a Light from XL on Main Street. But it's specifically a line in here. I was about to say, Jesus, he sounds exactly like Mick Jagger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's a line in this. Not this one. But it says, may the good Lord shine a light on you. And it was that line in particular that influenced him. So... That one. That was it. Did you hear it? Talked over it. But he incorporated the melody and changed that line to maybe I don't really want to know instead of, yeah. Um, do you want to listen to a bit more Rolling Stones? Hey, if it cuts into the Oasis listening time, I'll Well, I'll let this play while I tell you a bit more about Live Forever. Um, so apparently it's an ode to Peggy Gallagher, Noel and Liam's mum. There was another brother as well. Paul, I think, was it? Paul sounds oh, right. Paul, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know what the specific references are to Peggy. But, um, oh, now this is where you can tell me your link. Because I forgot about trying to link this episode to our previous one. But I know that you've got a link. Um, but yeah, it's a very optimistic song. Um, and Noel said that at the time, it was written in the middle of grunge and all of that. And I'm not going to do this in Noel's accent, but I'm just going to it's so read hard, verbatim though, his to quote, quote him without. <clears throat> when you read it, you do it in his accent. I can't accent. do a man's accent. I know, but you know when you do it in your head. It'll just go You know how it's going to sound. Yeah, no, but I'm not. <laughs> so instead, this is what Noel said. He said, I remember that Nirvana had a tune called I Hate Myself and Want to Die. And I was like, well, I'm not fucking having that. As much as I fucking like him and all that shit, I'm not having that. I can't have people like that coming over here on smack, fucking saying that they hate themselves and they want to die. That's fucking rubbish. Kids don't need to be hearing that nonsense. <laughs> so he admired Kurt. And then he also said that he didn't intend the song to be a, a direct retort to Nirvana. But, and I quote again, he said, seems to me that he was a guy who had everything and was miserable about it. And we had fuck all. And I still thought that getting up in the morning was the greatest fucking thing ever because you didn't know where you'd end up at night. And we didn't have to pot to piss in, but it was fucking great, man. <laughs> so, over to you, Lily. like I can 
hear Noel in the room when you say it. I know, I did, because I wrote down all these quotes, because I literally have nothing else to offer this podcast apart from me shaking a box of matches, um, which I have to say has been enjoyable, but it's a bit of a... You're channeling your you're imagining it's a tambourine, aren't you? Well, this is one of my favourite, it does feel very much like the tambourine. And, and also, I've only ever enjoyed watching Oasis where Liam got relegated to the tambourine and looks so angry and pissed yeah. off about it. He threw it at Noel's head. Can uh, very much yeah. enjoy that that sort of scene. Um, but one of my favourite quotes that I found, um, and this is actually just a, a snippet of it, because it, it was basically Noel talking about how tedious um, having these uh, interviews all around the world and they ask the same kind of questions and they're so random and you just think what's happening here and they ask you how your mum is and he's like why are you asking me about my mum it's so weird but it then he really annoying then they said well <laughs> what, how do you feel about your mum and he said well I liked her until she gave birth to Liam <laughs> <laughs> there's, and there's that's a, one of my favourite things I read about him there's a great documentary called Supersonic um and uh, it's really interesting. I rewatched it in prep for this, um, but it does talk. It has got, uh, I think, Noel himself talking about, you know, growing up and his relationship with his dad and you know all of that. Um, but they show pictures of you know all the kids growing up, and Noel was like the cutest. He still had the, you know the crazy eyebrows even as a tiny kid, um, but you know gorgeous blue eyes, super super cute. You know like like dark brown, you know, the same haircut that he still got. I was going to ask you what animal would he be? Um, Since we're on the animal tip, and I think I have the perfect one, but I just wonder if for Noel, if you'll think of it too. It's a very British one as well, <laughs> which I think Noel would agree. I feel you like you're going to say big ferret or something like that. But no, I... wait till you hear it because I really think you're going to be like, oh my god, yes, because the hair, hedgehog. Yeah, I see it. Yeah, the way it just. Yeah, he's a bit spiky. Yeah. What would Liam be then? Ferret. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Polecat. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe a weasel. No. John. God, no. God, <laughs> Liam was hot back in the day. Uh, he's got a funny he just looked too sullen it, yeah mm. he's got a little bit of a he's quite but one's then it shows for you the other one's looking at you but it, it kind of juxtaposes you know picture of just just no looking cute 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 and then liam comes along like five years later blonde blue eyes you know like apple of his mum's eye and it's just like yeah that would piss you off <laughs> just totally stole the limelight SB and then the poor old Paul spoiled brat <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely shows, yeah. Um, but anyway, it's a, it's a really good documentary. Um, right, where was I? Oh, hang sure. on, you were still going to do your, yeah. Um, let, let, let's just stick, and just this absolute gem from Noel as well, from uh, Q Mag in 2009. Liam is rude, arrogant, intimidating and lazy. He's the angriest man you'll ever meet. He's like a man with a fork in a world of soup. <laughs> That? No, oh, about Liam. Um, but yeah, our linky link to our last episode, which of course was No Code by the mighty Pearl Jam. Uh, if you just try and brace yourself, it's uh, it's a slam, as you might imagine. Uh, Liam was at Pink Pop in 2000 uh, with uh, Pearl Jam, apparently also on the bill. 
Um, um, he was sort of saying, oh, God, yeah, all these rubbish bands and just shouty and screaming about pain. It's just like, oh, get over yourself. No one even cares. And they were like, is that how you feel about Pearl Jam? And he went, yeah, rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't like Pearl Jam, but he did like Nirvana. So interesting. I feel like, who knows if they really liked Nirvana? I feel like they know if they said any shit, especially in the 90s, you're getting kidnapped. Yeah, true. And just dropped, you know, from a very tall pier. And you know that. So it's very impolitic. I think he liked Nirvana because, you know, they were rock and roll. And Oasis are... Rock and roll. Well, he did just look like a dick otherwise. Yeah, true. I mean, even I'm always surprised to see how much they'll slag off an Irish band considering they're an Irish family, essentially. Who have they slagged off that's Irish? Oh my god, you too. Liam hates Oh, that U2. does not count. Everyone fucking slags off you too because they deserve it. No, Noel actually would like to do a duet with you two or Coldplay, but Liam oh. hates Coldplay. And also you too. In fact, uh... <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I'm with Liam. Not, <laughs> not because I'm trying to be cool, just just, because I am. Liam was talking about the dilution of the rock star and how, like, you can't be exercising. Listen, you've either got it or you ain't, you know, deal with it. You can't but, be exercising? What, as in, like, that's just not part of the rock and roll No, you're either, like, you know, built for this or you're not. You can't be exercising, it's so not rock and roll. In his opinion, he, he said... You see pictures of Bono running around LA in his li- with his little white legs and a bottle of Volvic. And he looks like a fanny. <laughs> fair, fair. He said at least if it was a bottle of vodka. But no. <laughs> Bono is a fanny. Um, but you know, that's interesting. That was another thing. What I, what I was thinking last night as I watched Tim Burgess, right? He looks like, Tim Burgess is 54, right? And oh my god, like his just the energy was incredible, and he looked—he'd make me laugh. So like he's got this thing, this tour where he's just—he's um, got like a new jumper on every day, and like he you know he puts it on Instagram, like it's his like today's jumper. And they're all like, I know this woman in Hove, um, and he he just dresses like this really like 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 a hip Hove yummy mummy, and totally pulls it off. Like he was wearing this like pink like, you know, <laughs> Bowie logo, like such a last night with you know, sort of stonewashed jeans, like sort of turned up and stuff. But he rocked it, and he's got this like Andy Warhol, you know, he's like blonde. Like he needs to cut it a little bit now, but it's you know, you're such a Warhol ex. Cut your hair. But he was really because like the Jonathan's like his voice was always you know, sometimes reminded me a bit of like I'm sure Liam was you know. Influenced 100%. By, by Andy and Brown, like massively, not just in the way that you know they they sing kind of quite nasally. Well, Liam massively nasally, but oh, he even stands <clears throat> like yeah. So this was the thing. So they stand, um, yeah. He stands like you know the like like both of them. I'm talking about Tim Burgess and Ian Brown specifically, and there there are things that yeah you look at them and it's like oh Liam's definitely borrowed from that. But the other thing which Borrow. was highlighted in. Yeah, but the thing that was uh, one of the things that was highlighted in this documentary was I can't can't remember what gig it was, but um, oh, it was Nebworth, I think, where Liam's talking about, or maybe it was like one of their, I think the Earl's Court shows were like the first like really big ones that they did. Yeah, that was it. And he was talking about that moment where he was on stage and just seeing all these adoring fans, and he just like stayed still, and like everyone's going crazy around him, and. And he was just like completely still. And that is what he does. Like he just, you know, whenever you see him, he just, you know, maybe he has his hands behind the back and he's like kind of, you know, you know, that very, very Liam stance that he has. But he doesn't like move around. Whereas Tim... He's admitted he can't dance. I really think this could have... Ian Brown can't dance either. No, I've seen him. (laughs) 
<laughs> but he moves, you know, like he does in his like, you know, apish way. And Tim, like he does this, like he was moved, like so much energy. Like he was just like, apparently he does like transcendental meditation and he's like given up all the, you know, all the drugs and everything. But he looked so good. He looked super healthy. But he does this hilarious dance where he just looks like he's like mixing like a massive like cauldron. It's brilliant. I but there was a walk because I lived in Manchester in the 90s in the at the end of the 90s and i worked you know the restaurant jobs the cafe jobs so i worked with people unusually for a student i worked with people who were actually from manchester and salford and warrington and yeah. there is a thing there was a guy he was the uh, kp in the um um restaurant that i worked at and when he got really animated and he didn't very often nick lovely guy he did the thing where he would walk on his toes and he'd get really excited and he'd like be shaking his oh, shoulders. Oh, the indie and, shuffle. Yeah. No, no, but he would, that's, that's, it's not the indie shuffle. That's how people <laughs> talk in, a, in certain areas of Manchester. It's an expression thing. They get really excited yeah, yeah, yeah. and they, to, to explain something or to yeah. just, or get angry. Usually when it's angry, it's, it's almost like a war it's dance. It's excitement, I think. I don't think it's just anger. It's, it's not put on. You know, yeah, that yeah. thing that Bez does and Manny does, and it's real. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah? it's, 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 yeah. not, it's uh, not just Manchester, it's Liverpool It's not well. I'm copying no. you, but it's just really interesting. So I will give Liam the tiniest bit of break because they are from... I think they were from Burnage, but then they were lived in Moss Side at some point. I live quite close close to Moss Side in my second year, and people do. Have you ever seen do a woman do it though? Yes, actually, oh, I had okay. a very, very hard. Because it reminds me manager. of like a you know like a sort of um, you know like when pigeons sort of like kind of puff up their chests and sort of yeah yeah Yvonne from Warrington <laughs> she was terrifying. So he it's sticking Smith again. It's um. What was that? But was it Charlotte's Web where he just compared lots of people to animals? <laughs> it's interesting that we're we're really going there, aren't we? Yeah. With the with the, the hedgehogs and the stoats and the what have you's moles. Anyway, sure. <laughs> I can't remember what my point. What was what were we talking about? What song were we talking about? I don't um, know. Anyway, so this is let's up just in the talk sky. about animals instead. <laughs> this is up in the sky, which I have nothing um, to say about. So. Let me see. Where was I? Um, Would you like some more quotes? <laughs> I've got uh, plenty. Oh, I've, I've got a bit of a Liam thing, actually. So it's still on Live Forever. Um, so do you remember in Live Forever? God, I had a lot to say about Live Forever. Um, so there's a falsetto part. Which originally, exactly. <laughs> so in the early days, Liam would do that. He'd do the whole thing. Um, but then gradually, Noel started taking over that bit. And the reason, apparently, um, is because Liam decided all of a sudden that it was a bit gay. Sounds and you can like just Liam. imagine not Liam saying that. Yeah. You, can, you can also imagine Noel just saying like, oh, "Fuck off, our kid! I'll do it then." Waste of space. Yeah. Well, Liam was just like the singer, hey. I mean, he didn't really kind of have any creative input or anything. <clears throat> well, he's the, the image as well, wasn't he? He was the, the top no, just saying, the you know, like... Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. He's not yeah, the yeah. guy. <laughs> I know, he's the, yeah. 
Um, I was interested to know how much um, everyone in Oasis hated the Kaiser Chiefs. No, it's not very 90s, but it's really funny because I hate the Kaiser Chiefs. I was going to say, you got something in common. So I did, you know, I did enjoy a few quotes of that. Noel said, I did drugs for 18 years and I never got that bad as to say, <laughs> do you know what? I think the Kaiser Chiefs are brilliant. <laughs> and <laughs> there was some brilliant... Um, there was further slams uh, oh, on on this is <laughs> okay. This is him on Kaiser Chiefs being wankers. They don't mean anything to anyone apart from their fucking ugly girlfriends. <laughs> Whoa, shit, man! That's no, that's not acceptable. Who said that, Liam? No. Oh, no, that's just rude. That's brilliant. Oh, this uh, uh, Liam. This is Liam on Kaiser Chiefs. They're a shit blur. And as we know, he really <laughs> hates blur. So that's saying something as well. Yeah, I know. Um, I wouldn't compare them to blur. I mean, they're shit. Yeah, I have actually seen them and they were all right, like, but Eddie saw them because they were supporting the Who, who I only went to see because Eddie Meadow was supporting them. Um, you right. went to see the Libertines last week, I though. I did. They were great. Well, they had words about that as well. No, oh, I bet they did. Liam said, Pete Doherty needs a slap and the sooner he gets it, the better. <laughs> Did he give him one? I wouldn't be surprised if he did. No, because I think we know from his highly publicised uh, argument with Lanigan from last year <laughs> that uh, Liam is basically all mouth and no trousers. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> have you heard the Mark Lanigan contribution to the Manix album yet? I haven't. I'm going to force I, feed I, it I to I you. do try and avoid the Manix where possible. It's, a be- it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um... Okay. Okay. You're, you're, the, else? you're the indie kid. You're, oh, you're, the, you're the indie resident, so. Unashamedly. Uh, sorry, I've just picked up this crisp and now I realise. <laughs> now you're going to have to crunch I'm just it. Just going to have to. Well, great. Can, I give, you, can I give you um, Noel on uh, Posh Beckham? <laughs> She's another person I don't particularly care for, so I enjoy this. You're too. just agreeing with everything. Like, <laughs> you and you know. I never said I didn't think he was funny. I do think he's funny occasionally. Uh, he said. She can't even chew gum and walk in a fucking straight line at the same time, let alone write a book. <laughs> well, as much as I'm not a fan of Posh, I, yeah, I think that's a bit misogynistic. Very misogynistic. Why? He also called Damon Albarn of Blur a knobber. Fair. And Graham Coxon a fucking idiot. Oh, what did he call Alex James, though? He was the worst of the bloody no, lot of them. He, he, he called him that very bad word, but then uh, he actually went back on him and said that was Noel. He said he did call him a very bad word. But it turns out, he said, that it's Damon and Graham who think they're so fucking clever and cool and they are pieces of shit. Who oh, he really hates. Alex is the worst. But that, no, no, he went back on that and said, actually, um, Alex and the drummer, because he couldn't remember either of their names, <laughs> the were actually all right. And, he, and he, he felt bad for saying that. But that he was like, I originally had thought that uh, Graham Coxon was quite cool but he thinks he's really clever and deep and he's actually a dickhead oh Alex is such a dickhead I hate him I don't know about him but I did meet Graham Coxon a couple of times he used to come into um, the pub that I worked in and a dickhead (laughs) genuinely (laughs) really entitled thought he was really funny just he was a dickhead 
Oh, Alex and his, oh, his bloody cheese farm. He's such a misogynist. He's whore. I laughed so loudly just because I read somewhere that he made cheese and I was surprised to hear that Noel actually didn't have a problem with him anymore. So I looked him up on Wikipedia and it said musician, comma, cheesemaker. <laughs> yeah, he's from a cheese and just, farm. just, you know... Oh, no, he's... I was watching... The ranking just... It writes itself at that point. Ugh, no. Anyway, moving on. Well done. We've talked through Up in the Sky. Oh, um, we've got a fun fact about Liam. Do you want to... Yeah, go for it. He can't swim. <laughs> Doesn't so surprise if you, me. So if you do want to get rid of him, push him off that pier. <laughs> he's going to go down like a ton of bricks. I don't want to get rid of him. <laughs> I, I have no problem with I'm Liam. just saying, if anyone listening was <laughs> thinking about it... Don't insult... He doesn't like, have a prayer. Man. <laughs> scrub that, scrub that. Um... Uh, Let's see. Let's see. Oh no! Before you, Gosh. I've got to. I've got to fill this space with <laughs> with a classic on Mumford and Sons, who I also hate. <laughs> oh no! I like Beenol. I'm a bit worried, but it was so good. I know they're not '90s, but it's so great. I know he it's said, not cool to like Mumford and Sons, but I do. Mumford and Sons should adhere to that classics, you know, saying from Workaholics, which is one fedora per crew. I don't know what you call those little hats that they wear, but come on, guys, one per crew, okay? So they you wear can't, fedoras. You can't breach that. Not fedora, but you know that kind of like Amish thing, the hat thing that they've got going on. What, like, it's like a flat, flat hat? Flat hats. What, no, like, is it? Well, they all seem to be wearing the same one. I'm just saying, one per crew, guys. You can't. <laughs> anyway, that wasn't even the quote. Um, I think this might have been Liam actually. He said, "Everyone looks." <laughs> oh God, it's so British. I love it. Everyone looks like they've got fucking knits and eat lentil soup <laughs> with their sleeves rolled up. They and, do roll their sleeves And he also later said they look like Amish people. And it's the hats. It's that hat. The flat, but with the brim. Maybe the waistcoat. Oh, and it's those felt. hats. Do they you know, yeah, they wear them like perched on the back of their head as well, which I also don't understand. It's like, is it for the sun? Or the rain? I or the weather? Or are you just perching on the back of your head for no particular reason and you're all wearing it as well? I have to say, no love for Mumford and Sons. Oh, Not that we'll ever I have do. to talk for about For the first time, it was the soundtrack to my stint in New Zealand. We only we had a, a car for three weeks and we only had two CDs. It was that and then Mate. some horrible like, techno things. That was just, yeah. And I love, you know, that I love some of the swear words in. What's the one where they. I can't remember what. Anyway. I'll take techno over the mother. Right. You've got your you've got your roasts in. <laughs> what? Um, I haven't really started. I haven't Go even on. got through all my live forever notes, and we're already on Columbia. Um, anyway, um, so I don't know. all the songs sound really similar, so you could just say the same thing for all mm. of them. Right. Okay. So Columbia. This was. Da, da, da. It wasn't an official single. But uh, it came out as a limited edition 12-inch single in late 1993 as a teaser for journalists um, and for the radio. But off the back of that, it was unexpectedly picked up by Radio 1 and they played it 19 times in the two weeks after the release, which is apparently a lot of times. Um, Now, officially, it was credited to Noel. I think everything on the album is, is credited to Noel. But... Chris Griffiths of a Liverpool band, The Real People. Do you remember The Real People? No. Very Liverpool. Um, he claimed to have written the lyrics and said that Liam was responsible for the chorus. Antonio McCarroll, the drummer, um, who was sacked after Definitely Maybe, um, <clears throat> said the same thing in his uh, biography, Oasis, The Truth. Um, so there you go. Now, that 
will link seamlessly into uh, Supersonic because now Tony Griffiths of The Real People does backing vocals on this song. So, back to Mole. This is Supersonic, the first single, first commercial single released on the 11th of April 1994 and this is the song that we were both raving about right. uh, in the CDT um, classroom. Uh, debuted at number 31 on the singles chart. <clears throat> so this was apparently written and recorded in a single day at the Pink Museum recording studio in Liverpool, which has a very special place in my heart, as you know. But they weren't there to record this, they were there to record Bring It On Down, which is the next song on the album. Um, but before they started doing that, they were just doing like a, you know, they were jamming as a warm up and Noel started humming a melody over Tony, Tony McCarroll and Bonehead's rhythm. Um, and then, you know, they sacked it off to go and start recording the song that they were there for, but that wasn't going very well, so they ditched Bring It On. Uh, and went back to working on the jam that they'd been doing just before. And they ended up recording it in 11 hours, didn't remix it, and this was the result. So this very recording studio anywhere near the cabin, by any chance? Everything's near the cabin. Liverpool City <laughs> Centre's tiny. Oh, I get you. I get you. Very funny. The thing is, right, obviously, they owe a massive debt to the Beatles. But the thing that I don't mind Literally about the fact money. that they <laughs> ripped off the Beatles is that they, you know, they absolutely were, like, they, they, they're very open about the fact that they idolised the Beatles. Yeah. They bloody they, loved them. And I think, you know, they're they, not they've pretending. They, they're unilateral thieves as well. Like, they've, they've really stolen several people's ads. <laughs> but it's uh, flattery, you know. So I, I think... Yeah, they're quite open about the fact, and it, like they're deliberately nodding. To, you know, like we don't look back in anger, and the videos with the Lennon glass. It, like you know, they, you know, they deliberately use lyrics. You know, like referencing, you know, imagine. They're just not trying I to just, hide it. I just find it very interesting that they feel a certain way about like other people and what makes them a rock star or not. You know, yeah. like it doesn't really matter what you think about Bono. He is a he's a megastar. Even when these guys really weren't anything like and a massive funny mega who funny. Who are you? I mean, I get it. If we ever do merch, there'll definitely be a t-shirt in your that says Bono is a funny. <laughs> and that can be directly from this episode. But you know, who are you to sort of say what makes a rock star? He already is. Like you can't take that away from him. So what if he is running around LA with his little white legs? He is Irish. Yeah. And a bottle of Volvic. Plenty of people exercise, it's not that weird, and it's not really up to you to dictate. I just feel like they're very narrow, whilst yeah. accusing everybody else. I get of this, you. that, and the I, other. Absolutely. They're so fucking narrow in their own, just, you know. That they absolutely are. I totally, totally agree, but that's the other thing that I, I, I love about Oasis. They're all their contradictions, you know, they are just a walking, you know, car crash of of aggression and laddishness and all of the stuff that you know I really really stolen dislike. tunes and hypocrisy yeah, just, there's so much <laughs> that you can you know like you mentioned you know your favourite band sucks and stuff. I don't disagree with anything that they said in there but at the same time that is that is one of the things that I do just I just do really love about them as well they know, don't right? make any sense but they're awful if you want to like they're brilliant but if you want to talk like a music snob which they kind of do about everyone else pretty much 
and yet they are the antithesis of yeah. cool when it comes to a popular pop band, you know, that are constantly in the charts and enjoying, you know, all of those trappings that make someone basically a massive fanny. <laughs> yeah, there's no logic there. <laughs> Do you know there. what I mean? I absolutely like, know what you mean. Listen to yourself. Yeah. What are you talking about? You're talking about yourself, you know? Yeah. But Bono they... never spent as much time in the charts, frankly, <laughs> as you guys did. But they, they do what they, they like. That's they your like, discredit they do if what you're cool, do. you know, in inverted commas. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I absolutely get it. Your muso snobs would never consider them a good band, which I just, I'm just saying. Well, not, well when Definitely Maybe came out, it was, you know, they did not get a lot of criticism at all. You know, it was a pretty unanimous these guys are rocking. Yeah, in the I think that's the thing. That they, that's why they're rock and roll. They just they, they do what they do. They say what they say. They don't give a shit because they are rock stars. The only reason people interview them is because they say a bunch of shit about other people and it is just perfect. You don't even need to like whip it up. It exactly. just makes its own headline. What's I mean, not to like? I'm just saying it's not because everyone was such a massive fan of their music so much as they were a massive fan of their outspoken antics. No, enough people were massive fans of their music. Come on, like Nebworth in 1996. I'm not saying they didn't have fans. I'm just saying when it comes to your cool music, you know who I'm talking about. Those oh, yes, people that, walk, that walked around with record players when other people were buying <laughs> CDs and going, oh, I don't listen to that because the sound isn't pure enough. Those people, I just don't think they were carrying around Oasis records. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I mean, wrong. I don't know. I can't but speak But I to really them. don't think that they but were. a very, very significant population. They were busy with the, the nation with huge and, fans. you know, obscure Bowie tracks, right? They weren't listening to Def... Maybe. That's just my opinion. Get Come back at me if I'm wrong. No, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with anything you say. I'm just saying that that is another reason in my mind that actually they're... I can... I can I'm just saying they're too pop to be having these, like... Ah, they're rock. Outlandish... <laughs> <laughs> criticisms of everyone else although care. of course I do agree with everything they say about the Kaiser Chiefs <laughs> unreservedly and also Justin Bieber oh god another link to the roasting so the Nebworth gigs that I'm talking about I think they did two days at Nebworth you know, and they could have done like you know another eight um, but supporting that so they had a massive load of um, support acts over those dates um, including Cool Shaker Including the charlatans again, <laughs> uh, Manchu preachers. Um, yeah, they had like I can't remember who else, but a bunch of others. Uh, linky, linky. Right, where are we? So bring it on down. This is what they went in to record and ended up with um, uh, with Supersonic. Um, what else was I gonna tell you? Oh, I haven't finished Supersonic. Gosh, so much. Um, yeah, so. The recording of this wasn't going very well, so that's when they decided to um, to do Supersonic. But Noel, again, you know, whether this is true or not, but he said that the actual writing of Supersonic happened whilst the rest of the band went out for Chinese. Um, he stayed in the studio to develop the riff and had the whole thing written by the time that he got back. <laughs> so the way this is basically back. just Noel. Well, yeah. I mean, I'd, yeah. Noel or he's, Mole? He's not going to disagree with you. <laughs> Sorry, I just saw Mole. On Hannah's notes in capital letters. <laughs> Mull, I've never met you, but I hope to one day because you sound like a legend. Oh, man. Um, I've got nothing to say about Bring It On, but there were two videos for Supersonic, a UK version and a US one. And the UK version, okay, here you've got a Beatles reference. So do you remember Shocking. the video for this? It was on a roof, and the roof was really no, near I don't to where... <laughs> 
really big video. Um, you will have seen it. But it was it, no. so it's them. It's the Baton on the roof, and it's it's at the end of the road that I used to work on. So it's on uh, right by Euston Road, and you can see King's Cross uh, Station in the background. Um, so yeah, it's like another pretty obvious reference to you know the Beatles rooftop conference uh, conference concert. Um, uh, and then the US version of the video, um, it's got like the band in the car, like crazy big toy dinosaurs and the band are um, just like performing in a dark room. But then they use scenes from that video for Some Might Say, which was the first single of What's the Story, uh, but they just turned it into like a black and white video. Why are you, why are you laughing at me? <laughs> oh, I, I was just remembering how we were talking about, you know, brushing Liam off the end of the beer. <laughs> And how we should have actually incorporated the shag, marry, kill thing, except I can only think of people I want to kill. Right, well, since you brought it up, shag, marry, kill, you first. Um, no, it's a massacre of epic proportions for me. <laughs> well, there's only, like, I only know Neil and Liam in the band. Neil? Who the fuck's Neil? I mean, <laughs> I should mention I'm on my third gin and tonic. Early, that asbestos has come back to me. Um, Neil is the is the amalgam of both of them. Okay. Um, okay. So there's the Gallagher brothers. I don't know anyone else, and I know you told Bone me their names. Gwen Grigsby. Seriously though, if I album. fell over them in the street, I wouldn't know them. I would have no clue. Okay, um, I've got an interesting kill fact. We can't, we can't do that. But how about you? See, you know these people. Or how about, okay, all right. Lead singer of the Kaiser Chiefs. Lead singer of Mumford and Sons. (laughs) And Noel. Shag, Mary kill. I reckon, who would be the better lover? Probably (laughs) Marcus Mumford. I think he'd be more considerate. Liam would be shit. Without Um, that. Are you sure? (laughs) I had the problem with that. You had the problem with that. I don't even remember that. Um, Noel, ugh. He'd be entertaining, wouldn't he? He'd probably marry Noel. And who was the other one? Oh, the Kaiser Chiefs bloke. I don't know anything about him. I've no idea. (laughs) He might be a decent lover. I I don't know. I don't know these I don't know where this is coming from. I think his name might be Ricky. Oh, was he one of the judges? And I get. I would I take get, the opportunity to kill anyone. With the guy I get Kaiser Chiefs and Kasabian mixed up. Is Kasabian like oh. the wife beater guy? I don't know, but I really like Clubfoot, so I wouldn't kill Kasabian guy. I think but that perhaps they, I he's think not a nice of, person. I don't know. One of them was a yeah, a big shit. Um, anyway, moving on, we have um, slightly lower the tone. Why am I playing the Stone Roses? Um, we have lowered the tone, and we're moving into. Uh, we're in 10 minutes. Oh, jeez. It's because you're loving it. <laughs> so, all right. Okay. Um, so, Cigarettes and Alcohol, fourth single, October 1994, peaked at number seven in the UK, so their highest um, uh, charting single so far. Guess how many weeks it's spent on the charts? 10. 79. Shut up. 79 weeks. So, Alan McGee of Creation Records fame uh, said that this was one of the greatest social statements of the past 25 years. So, you know, it's... This is Christmas in the pub for me. Yeah, yeah, well, the video is actually... Um, loop. The video is like, loads of like supermodels and stuff, like drinking in a toilet with bands, I think. I think it's a good example. Yeah, they're just like smoking and 
drinking and doing drugs. Yeah, that was like us um, in the hole in the wall at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I did once have to climb in the window of the women's toilets because there were too many people inside. Class. But our mates were already in there, so we. Um, That's Christmas Eve. Yeah. We got pulled through. Yeah, yeah. Happy Listen, holidays. Everyone in Great Britain who lives in a small town, you know. Yeah, no, it was the coaching horses for me. Yeah. I didn't climb in through any toilet windows there. It was literally called the hole in the wall. What a brilliant name for a book. Just sounds grotty. It was. Glory <laughs> <laughs> uh, But mean, they very solicitously served the under 18, so you know, you've got them. I can say that because they're now closed down in its flats. No one's getting sued. Nice folks. Good job. Um, yeah, I mean, what can I say? It's about cigarettes and alcohol. Is it worth the aggravation <laughs> to find yourself a job when there's nothing worth working for? So yeah, it's the remedy to the banality and the futility of working class life, according to Wikipedia anyway. That's ironic, isn't it? So do you want to hear so who you they don't have a job but you call working class? <laughs> Perfect. Right. Recognise this? Yes. So they got the main riff from this, Get It On by T-Rex. But T-Rex stole this. Doesn't Shut make it right, Anna. Doesn't make it right. I didn't say it made it right. <laughs> I did not say that. Yeah, I'm gonna get it. I love a bit. Get it on. Uh, but they saw this from Chuck Berry. This is Little Queenie by Chuck Berry. Oh my God! I know we're going over here, but I had to play you a little bit of this. This is the worst thing I've heard in a very long time. <laughs> Wait till the vocals kick in and see if you can guess. Who does this cover of cigarettes and alcohol? Okay. I think you're a fan. <laughs> give you a clue. I went to see. No, it. no, don't, don't give you a clue. Oh, it's Rod Stewart. It is the worst <laughs> cover I think I like anything it. I've ever heard. It's Do you know what? Awful. I prefer to listen to this. Really? Where was kids? Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. I, I, I made it halfway through. It was awful. Yeah. I like a bit of Rod. Oh yeah, it's he should have released this. Awful. I might have bought it. What about Tammy Wynette? <laughs> Jesus. I like Tammy Wynette. So do I, but can't can't do Rod Stewart. Loretta Lynn like obviously her. is my favourite though. Gosh, anyway, uh, right, moving on. Okay, we're nearly there. Uh, uh, should I talk about Iron the Walrus? Well yeah, you keep wanting to talk about the Beatles, don't you? So why have I included this? This was a B-side to Cigarettes and Alcohol. So, interesting story here. This was recorded at the Glen Eagles Hotel, and I think Linky Linky to F, the F episode in our first volume, where I talked about Faulty Towers, because I think Faulty Towers was based on the Glen Eagles Hotel. The film there? There's some Glen Eagles link, remember? Um... I don't know. Glen Eagles Hotel in Scotland, you mean? Yeah. Fancy hotel. I think it's Scotland. Yeah, it's quite fancy. Yeah, yeah. So this was filmed. So this was recorded there uh, during a conference for um, like Sony Music executives that had got together to hear about Creation Records new signings. Um, and they recorded this during the soundtrack in an empty hall. You know, no audience whatsoever. Um, and the band loved the live recording, but they hated the event. Uh, Liam, no, Noel, uh, said that it was one of them shit things where all the twats in suits get together and they roll on the new signings. Um, 
but they really liked this version, but they were kind of too embarrassed to say that it was recorded at a fancy hotel. So on the original release, um, it says that it was recorded at Glasgow Cat House, <laughs> and they did perform the song at Glasgow Cat House, but apparently it was a shit recording, Noel wasn't happy with it. So what they did was they used the Glen Eagles recording, um, said it was from the Cat House, and like added crowd noises that they took from a, a bootleg Faces album. What would Bono say? I'd like to know. Yeah, this is it's, it's preposterous actually. Um, but they did that to, you know, obviously to make it sound like an authentic tour recording. Um, and again, in Noel's words, he said, because it would look shit if you put live at Sony Seminar in Glen Eagles. And we thought, fuck it, no one will fucking know. But I always meant to set a record straight one day. Sorry to anyone who bought it on the premise of being at that gig. So, I mean, at least he did say sorry. But I just find it brilliant that they were embarrassed about, you know, being at a swanky <laughs> hotel. So totally lied about it. So they're in Glasgow. Um, so, yeah, obviously, you know. They love the Beatles, so they covered this. Um, and then this is Fade Away, that was another B-side <clears throat> of uh, Cigarettes and Alcohol. This isn't the version that was on that B-side. This is a version that was on the um, uh, charity album, the Help album, that came out in 1995. And I had that album and absolutely played it to death. I loved it and really, really loved this version of Fade Away. Um, so I just wanted to give a little nod to it. Now moving on, very quickly, this is Digsy's dinner, we're nearly there, don't have anything to say about this other than <laughs> on the American version they misspelt it and it said Digsy's diner, but I think I just had the UK version, but in my head I always read it as diner anyway. Mm. Anyway, that's Digsy's. You want to hear more? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I think we've established ahead. that it all melds into one lump of oasis for me. Although I would like to take this opportunity to apologise to Mikey, a very young super fan, uh, and he probably won't take kindly to anything I've said today. But uh, my oh god, he's not going to listen, is he? You'll have to beep out on my sweary words. Well, you know, he's a bit school now. He'll be okay. <laughs> Um, I washed my mouth out with soap, Mikey. Okay, I have a parting uh, quote from Noel on the Arctic Monkeys. <laughs> Who I actually quite like. Yeah, I don't mind. Um, although this isn't about their music. He said, I would rather drink petrol straight from the nozzle in a garage <laughs> than listen to an interview with Alex Turner from the Arctic Monkeys. <laughs> it's so specific. He has a real way with words. I have to... Give it to him. I've never listened to an interview with Alex Turner, so I don't know. <laughs> possibly comment. Oh my god, I can't believe this is over an hour already. I've still got so much to say. This is such a good album. I know. I, know. I, I have to tell you that Noel once said about Jack White from the White Stripes, he looks like <laughs> Zorro on Donuts. Excuse you keep wanting to roast people. <laughs> I know, I'm just oh reporting god. what Noel said. Alright, well, Noel said. That this couldn't be the fifth single off uh, the album because you can't have five singles off a debut album. And I kind of agree with him. Um, he claimed to have written it on a Les Paul uh, given to him by Johnny Marr. Um, and he said that he just took it out of the case, sat down and the song wrote itself. And apparently uh, it was written about his girlfriend at the time, Louise Jones, and their kind of you know tumultuous relationship. Um, but he did describe them as soulmates, and when they split in 1994, said that he didn't think he'd ever get over it. Whether he did or not, I, I don't uh, know. You know, don't we all think that at the time? Um, yeah, and this, uh, it's been called like 
quite grungy, this one, or specifically Alex Niven, who wrote, uh, you know, if you've seen the Bloomsbury Lunge. 33 and a Third books, there's a bunch of them on loads of bands. He wrote one um, about Definitely Maybe, and he said that it adopts the classic grunge technique by combining a heavy rock bass with a melody that alludes to Neil Young and the Beatles. There you go. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like it's filtered through. I just feel like there's a remove missing here where it's not been filtered, it's just filched. It's not pop though, is it? You you still really. It's pop. It's popular. It was pop of the charts. It's pop. It's not pop. It's rock. It's rock. It's rock and roll. All right. Anyway, Married with Children. Final track on the album. (laughs) I'm still going to talk about a couple more because I haven't got to my favourites yet. Okay, this is Go this ahead. is this is just nice way to end the album. <laughs> it's called Married with Children. It's about us. But what I really want to talk about, this is my favourite. Well, this and Talk Tonight are my favourite Oasis songs. They're not on Definitely Maybe, but they're also not on What's Throw Morning Glory because they were both B sides to um, Some Might Say, which was the first um, single off What's the Story of Morning Glory, the second album. Um, but they are such strong songs that both of them um, could have been singles in their own right but Noel didn't want them to be because I think it was acquiesced that he you know I think Alan McGee tried to persuade him to put it out as a single and he refused because he you know in his mind the album was done and dusted and he just didn't want to write another b-side and record another b-side which is what he'd have to do if this was put out as a single Um, but I think the song is brilliant um, and again, it's one of those songs that he says, um, he wrote the lyrics on the way to a studio um, uh, to record uh, Definitely Maybe, and he was delayed on the train, um, you know, and he scribbled the lyrics for something to do. Um, but when he listened to the lyrics, like, I can't help just imagining the brothers. It sounds like it's a song about their relationship, but apparently it's not. It's just a, a pal friendship, apparently. This this chorus in particular. Always, the lyrics just seem like a stream of consciousness to me. Don't know I, I think this is very Do you think that's fair or not? But. Um, yeah, I, I think so. Generally, it's what, you know, they're seeing around them. And they, you know, or he's said as much. But I, I love, I love this chorus. I think it's brilliant. But apparently it's not about his relationship with his brother, but who knows. I'm just think it's really interesting talking about this stuff and thinking never once have I ever put on Oasis to listen in my room when I had a room in my parents' house or in my own room or my own house or even now. It just it would never ever occur to me. I just have no interest in listening to the music whatsoever. Oh, I played this one a lot. I love this. Okay, now I promise this is the final song because this is the other one that I really loved and I just find it, you know, funny that oh god, no it's not. Did I forget to add it to my playlist? But yeah, my two favourite Oasis songs um, are, are, are B-songs. Are Stone Roses songs. They're Stone Roses. <laughs> Keep coming up. Uh, right. Very professional. Yeah, this is good. <laughs> Play that again. <laughs> what, was, what did I say? It was Talk Tonight. There we go. Um, so yeah, and Talk Tonight. Uh, very poignant. Written and sung by Noel. So you should like it. Uh, but it was inspired by the time that Oasis nearly broke up. So it was um, the autumn of 1994, they were in LA and Noel walked out and just left and went to San Francisco without telling the rest of the band. Um, and he stayed with this girl that he'd met during um, a previous show in LA. 
she was called Melissa Lynn. So in the Supersonic documentary, he you know, says that he doesn't remember her name, but she was subsequently interviewed um, for the San Francisco Chronicle in November 2016. And she tells the story of how she met him backstage at a gig and he came over and sat you know, next to her and you know, she asked, where's the after party? And he said, what after party? Can I hang out with you? Um, and then uh, a few days later, they played this absolutely disastrous performance of Whiskey A Go Go, which you can see clips of in this documentary. And they're all like off their faces on meth. And I think that's the one where Liam throws the, throws the tambourine at Noel. And so they had this massive bust, bust up. Um, so that's when Noel went to her apartment. Uh, and she like, you know, took him in and fed him and tried to calm him down because that was it, he was done with the band. Um, she took him out to a park that, you know, she used to play in as a kid and they talked and they listened to music and went to record stores and, you know, sifted through the records and things. And apparently she totally calmed him down and... Um, he doesn't even remember her name. Well, yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's a bit in here where he says all your dreams are made of strawberry lemonade, which I love. Uh, and apparently that's because this this girl Melissa was obsessed with Snapple strawberry lemonade. Um, Better taste in beverages than she does in music. <laughs> oh, I think it's beautiful. I love a Snapple. Love it. <laughs> anyway, I've still got lots of notes that I didn't get through, but, but I, will, seriously, I will leave it there. Seriously, if this there. is the longest episode we've ever done and it's Oasis... I'm going to run off to San Francisco <laughs> <laughs> and drink bloody snapple it with could Melissa. Have been a two <laughs> Melissa, uh, we're going to need you to step in. Ah, <laughs> uh, anyway. Well, I definitely hate this a lot less than everything else I've heard tonight, so thank you, Hannah. <laughs> if I was going to listen to anything Oasis y, it would definitely be Noel singing it. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> well, if you're still listening, <laughs> you can please uh, tell us how, how do you feel about Oasis? Um, maybe it's not so, such a polarised thing. Maybe it's just me. Um, so let us know on social media. We are on Instagram as Society's Meogenics Podcast. We are on Twitter at SomaGXP. And you can find us on Anchor FM, which is our little pod home. And you can leave us a voice message, which we would love. Please. It can't just be Anna. Talk to us. Let us know how wrong you think Anna is. <laughs> um, and uh, what else, Anna? You can email us. SocietyHostMeogenicsPodcast at gmail.com. be so nice to get an email that isn't from one of those people that is like, hey, you're looking to promote your podcast. So I'm going to email you and tell you all of the other amazing facts about this <laughs> album that I didn't get into here. But they had a tiny advertising budget for this. So they put it out in like, they put adverts um, in places like football magazines and Mixmag because they knew that the people that would want to listen to this stuff wouldn't listen, wouldn't, wouldn't read like the regular music. That's so true. Amazing. That's very true. A lot of Oasis fans I know are big football fans. Which but Mixed Mag is, as well. No it's surprise like, to me either. You didn't get guitar bands in Mixed Mag. They've got like a five-star review. That doesn't mean as much as you think <laughs> it does. <laughs> anyway, Perfectly thank you, timed. Hannah. There thank you, you very much. As I say, you're really welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose that is goodbye until the next episode. I imagine so. <laughs>
It's frosty in here, folks. Uh, take care of yourselves. Bye.